Hey, welcome back everyone to another episode of Ancient Ways for Modern Days, where we discuss ancient biblical truths and apply them to our modern day lives. My name is Andrew. I am one of the hosts and a pastor at Valley Christian Fellowship. Joined with me today is... My name is Mike, and I'm the other pastor at Valley Christian Fellowship. As a matter of fact, he is the pastor. I selectively do the things he tells me to do. (laughs) (laughs) Pastor among elders, we got a pretty good crew here. Yeah, we do. Lots of great leaders. So welcome, everyone. Uh, In this episode, we are going to be discussing chapter five of the book, Who Am I? Identity in Christ. And this week, we are looking at We Are a New Creation. But before we do that, Mike, uh, there's a couple of things happening at Valley that I'd like to share if you've you've got time. You do your thing. All right. Well, number one, uh, we have our Valley Forward coming up March 1st. Now, this is happening from 1230 to 2.30 p.m. at our Pacific Way campus. Now, in in the Valley Happenings, Mike, it says that this is going to be like a State of the Union kind of address. Mike, what's what's the idea behind this meeting? And it's really important. We've been doing the best we can to try to get as many members to attend this. Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, State of the Union or State of the Church, what we're doing is we have an annual meeting, an annual business meeting in October. And uh, a lot happens between one October and the next. And so what we're trying to do is just Create some more transparency, give our church family, those who are members, a greater awareness of what's going on really behind the scenes in the life of the church. Um, honestly, we're going to say, hey, here's what's going on that's good. Here's what's, you know, here's some goals. Here's some things that we're working on. And so it's really kind of an update slash let's uh, let's lock arms and let's continue to move forward as a church. And so I'm actually, I'm working on it every day lately, and I'm, I'm really excited about it. I'm excited about it. We... I've seen some interesting surveys going out, some inf- interesting information that's being collected about the church. And what I like about this is that I feel like in many ways, we are taking a good baseline measurement of where we're at so that we can strategically move forward and see where God's leading us to continue to grow. Now, I know that some people don't like looking at numbers or look, taking baseline um, readings at times. I know like for, from a uh, health and fitness perspective, sometimes people don't like jumping on a scale and seeing where they're at because oftentimes they know that whatever choices they've been making up until that point. Accountability. (laughs) Yeah. It can be kind of discouraging. But the truth is, if you treat this as like, hey, this is a new day, fresh start, it can be encouraging. These these numbers, wherever they start, growth mindset, this is just the beginning and we're going to go from there. Well, that and, you know, you, you can't, you can't go forward unless you know where you are as part of it. But the other part is this is, this is Jesus's church. He's the one that builds the church. And so what we're trying to do is just say, hey, here's here's actually the things that we are called to do. How how well are we doing them? And what does it look like to take take strides, make gains in certain areas? And so I'm pretty jazzed about it. I think it's going to be a really fun day, kind of yeah. a celebration. So I think it's going to be, so if you, man, if, it, if you call Valley your home, this is going to be a great time to be able to just look at what are we doing and we can celebrate those things. Then we can look at maybe where we are falling short and we can strategically work together to shore those up. But also if you have not been serving and you're like, you're looking for where you, where you fit in the body of Christ, we're going to be showcasing some, some areas, right? Of where people can jump in and serve. Actually this last week, we did a new members workshop where we we had quite a few people come join the church. I was excited to see um, just that group. But in that, we talked about some of the images of the church. We talked about the body of Christ mm-hmm. and how we all have a part to play. Yep. So if you're sitting in the pews and you're like, man, I, they're doing so well, they don't need me. That's not true at all. And 
we would love for you to show up, hear what's going on, and help. We want this is an opportunity for us to help you find where you can serve and where you can be of a fit. So the next couple of things that are coming, I'm going to throw these together, is uh, Vacation Bible School and Royal Family Kids. These are both children's ministry-oriented things. Uh, Vacation Bible School, our first info meeting, is happening Sunday, February 23rd, just after the 11 o'clock service at the Pacific Way campus. Now, I'm just putting a bug in your ear. This is going to be our very first meeting. So if you're just interested to know like when VBS is happening and the theme for the year and where you can serve, those are the things that we'll be going over. Just a heads up, if you're wondering when Vacation Bible School is happening this upcoming year, it's happening June 22nd through the 26th. That is the first, or sorry, that is the last full week of June. Now, circling back to Royal Family Kids, right now, they are taking applications for volunteers. So if you have been hearing about Vacation Bible School, I'm sorry, Royal Family Kids Camp, and you have been wanting to apply and volunteer, whether it's at the camp or anything that's happening in town, applications are open. Um, you can you can go to, wow, that is a long website. You know what? If, you, if you're listening to this podcast, if you want to email me or text me, um, I'll, I'll send you the link because that is a very long website. A web address. So anyway, those are the things I, I wanted to talk about. Mike, you know, typically we talk about how we're doing and stuff. Is there, you got any news for us? How, how's your life, man? Life's good, man. We're, uh, things are okay. We're had some sunny days lately. That's actually been the really nice thing. We've been a few really sunny days. The other day I went, I mean, this is maybe boring for everyone, but I went and jumped on the trampoline with Jaden. That was pretty cool. And, uh, and yeah, enjoying a little bit of, of, uh, the foretaste of spring, the newness of, of life. That is, that's pretty cool, man. I know the weather has been good and I was sitting next to our worship director, Stephen Kalukas on Sunday and people were asking like, Hey, what are you guys doing after this new membership workshop and everything? And he's like, well, it's sunny. I'm going to go mow my yard. And I thought to myself, I should do that. But I didn't, I went and played board games with <laughs> my other friends. And I was thinking to myself, man, Steven's an adult. I should be an adult. So I don't know. I got to mow my yard at some point. There you go. At some point. So, all right. So we are about to jump in. I think we're just going to do it Let's into do it. chapter five. I, I do want to say off off the top, we are, if you're listening to this, you can probably tell that we are a day late on uh, releasing. We had some technical difficulties with our podcasting gear. And now I, I, I'm using brand new equipment that we bought, we set it up last night and we're recording with it. So. All that to say, if the audio is a little weird, I'm still learning this board. So just a heads up, it'll get better as time goes on. Come on, Andrew. Yeah, I'm sorry. So Come on, man. All right, let's do this. Let's talk about our identity in Christ. Let's talk about the fact that we are a new creation. Mike, what you got for us? Yeah, yeah. So I think that uh, Jerry Bridges in this book... Uh, you know, he likes to summarize the entire chapter at the very end of the chapter. And I, I thought, you know, if we're going to think through this, let's start with his summary. Let's start with kind of like the big idea and maybe maybe work through some of those concepts. Um, and and so if you're listening there today, I, I, I think that this is going to be helpful for someone because this is going to remind them of what it means to be made new in Christ. Because uh, sometimes we don't feel that way, right? And this goes back to, I mean, it feels like this is kind of a perennial conversation, especially when you have kids. Our feelings, they're real, right? When I feel cruddy, I feel cruddy, but they're not always true. 
And so this is part of that whole preaching the gospel to yourself and remembering who we are in Christ. This is one of those things that, man, being a new creation, if we remember that and if we preach it to ourselves, even when we don't feel that way, there's a lot of power and a lot of hope that comes out of that. So that said, here's his summary. He says, I am a new creation with a new heart, a new spirit, and a new identity before God. I have been delivered from the dominion of sin and united to Christ. I am always able to resist temptation. When I do sin, I am always welcome at the cross for all my sins have been forgiven in Jesus. Amen. Now it's funny, as I'm reading this, uh, you know, one of the things I do to prepare for this is I listen to the chapter again. Um, usually on my way into work uh, the day before we, we record or the day of re- recording. Mm-hmm. And the guy that reads it is uh, Alistair Begg. Oh, and he's uh, Scottish. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So he's got this accent. And so it, as I'm reading this out loud, I'm like, man, uh, my accent's not very good. I need, I need, I need a little bit better <laughs> voice. <laughs> but this is, this is the idea that, that God, by his divine action, has renewed a fallen person so that they now reflect his character. Right. I mean, this is what we're talking about. This is this is connected to the idea of regeneration. You've been made new. There's there's a life in you, a new life, a, your brand new creation that was not there before. And this is connected to the previous few chapters because we've talked about the idea of adopted, mm-hmm. right? New family. You, you have an inheritance. You you've you're justified. So you have, um, you know, you're, you're no longer guilty. That's been washed away. Um, and the illustration he uses at the beginning of it is if some, you know, horrible criminal. It's the serial killer. Yeah, yeah. If they were pardoned and then the judge welcomes them into their family. Right. And he kind of makes the point like, oh man, that would that'd be kind of scary. You know, you got would, some hardened yeah. criminal like, um, but what if that criminal has been made new? And so this is a, when God adopts us, he, he brings us into his family. Right. But not, not as this hardened criminal. Yes, we are a sinner, but the idea is that we have been made new. We are a new creation. That's right. And we have been given, and with as being part of it, as being a new creation, we have a new heart and a new spirit, which goes into the very next section. Is, is, can I read Ezekiel 36, 26? That's actually where I was going next. Yeah, because I love how this is promised in the Old Testament yeah. and fulfilled in Christ in the New Testament. So go ahead and read Yeah, this read. is the passage. This is Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27. It says, and this is the Lord speaking. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Yeah. And that's, that's the promise. That's the promise of new being a new creation. That's the promise of regeneration, right? And that I love that it's promised. And then Jesus, through his death and resurrection, when we believe in Christ, this is exactly what happens in our life. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Do you have that verse in front of you too? Yeah, I do. It's, uh, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Yep. And so this is talking about that tension between, uh, or, or that, that truth revealed in being in Christ now as a new creation. We are part of a new new order, which means we're no longer part of this old creation, which was in Adam. And I think we've talked about that some on this podcast before. In Adam, this is the, the old rebellious world, the old rebellious life, 
the life that, that has failed to meet God's standard and so is actually a slave to sin. Right. A slave to the flesh, a slave to the world and, and the enemy of our souls, Satan himself. Mm-hmm. That's the dominion that we were under. But when we're redeemed, when we're adopted, when we're made new and this idea of made new, that's when we now have a, a new placement. This, we're no longer under the dominion of Satan. We are now under the dominion of Christ. We're in Christ. And this is a radical change, as, as, as we talk about going from one dominion to the other. This is why we see in churches people at, it's not, it doesn't always happen this way for everyone, but I've, I've seen people who were drug addicts and then suddenly after accepting Christ, they no longer have that temptation or they don't deal with that anymore. I've seen other people who their heart changed like they were, they were neglectful parents or fathers and they, Christ enters their life and all of a sudden they repent of that. They turn from it and God fills them with their, with his spirit. And now they want to be an attentive father. They, they, it gives that people, it, this idea in Ezekiel where we have our hearts of stone are removed and we are now giving a softer heart. I've seen that happen in people. And it's such a beautiful thing. It's, it's a mystery. It's, it's so crazy. And what's even more impressive, I think, is that, it doesn't just stop. It, it happens instantly, but we continue to fight for more of that, more of that heart change as, as time goes on. This, uh, this identity in Christ, though, I, I guess I like the chapter because I, when I was reading through it, I kept asking myself, but what about the person who believes but doesn't feel like they're a new person just yet? But what I appreciate about that is that this, he kind of answers this. He talks about kind of the, uh, the next reality of what it means to be freed, but still engaged in battle with, with the spirit and, and sin. Mm-hmm. So, so anyway, this, the next thing is that he talks about, we have a new identity and a new relationship. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you wanted to touch on uh, when, when it came to that? Well, as part of what we were saying is was the relationship we have is no longer based on being in Adam, but it's based on being in Christ. That yeah. second Corinthians five seventeen says, therefore, if anyone is, in Christ, in Christo, right? This is the, the core of our identity. When we're answering the question, who am I? The very first thing that a believer says is I am in Christ. Okay. Not that I am, you know, that I'm a sinner. That, that That's true. We still sin. But the very first uh, identifier of who we are is I'm in Christ. Even that can be extended to like, okay, who are you? Well, I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat. Mm-hmm. No, the very first identifier is I am in Christ. That That is our highest allegiance, yes. right? So what are the things that you identify yourself as? I'm a CrossFitter, right? You, you say sometimes you're a, a tech guy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, that, that might be part of who you are. But right. first and foremost, I am in Christ. And so that, that relationship aspect, that new identity, that new relationship has everything to do with being in Christ. Right. Now, it's, it's wise to pause here and say, okay, how does someone become in Christ? How are we made in Christ? Oh, no, I go, go on. I'm, I'm listening. How, how are we made in Christ? Well, I mean, yeah, the only way to be in Christ is by faith, right? By trusting in Jesus's death and right. resurrection. This is why we, we go back to this over and over again, right? And uh, it's not like beating a, a dead horse. This is actually the, the most important thing we can ever discuss. Right. This new life, this new creation, it's rooted in Jesus and his death and resurrection. And so when we're in Christ, man, now we have this new relationship with God. Right. 
And this is this is the culmination of the last couple of weeks that we've talked about being justified by Christ and being aligned with him because of these things we are a new creation and since all that has happened in the midst of all that again we have a new heart and a new spirit. So reading this from a uh I'll, I'll just say from a lay theological perspective I've always understood this as like before Christ saved me my spirit regardless of what I did, no matter what, I was trapped in sin. So even if I tried to turn away from like uh, from lying, what I would turn to was still pretty sinful. No, I had no other choice but to sin because I am a slave to Under the sin. dominion. Yeah, under the dominion of sin. But when Christ saved me, giving me a new heart and a new spirit and living on his righteousness, I now have a choice. I now have freedom. To, to choose him and to rest in him. Yeah. So is it, well, that's right. I actually yeah. wanted to flesh out that first part because that yeah. seems a little weird, right? Like yeah. let's say, okay, I'm being tempted to, uh, to steal something, mm-hmm. but I don't. Does that mean no longer being under the dominion of sin if I'm outside of Christ? Well, the way it works is when you're under the dominion of sin, that, that temptation will be, it will be revealed in another way. Right. Generally, when we resist doing wrong, it's revealed in pride. And self righteousness, mm-hmm. right? It's revealed in having a critical spirit toward all oh, those terrible people who do steal or do drugs or this or that. Like, mm-hmm. like no matter what we do, all roads lead to sin. sin. Yeah, when we're under the dominion of sin, but this new relationship and this new identity, we are free of that. Mm-hmm. Which means we we because we're free of it, we have a new way to live, and that's where he goes next. Yeah. He he talks from Romans six quite a bit in verse eleven. It says, "So you also must consider yourselves." dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. There's that phrase, in Christ again, right? Right. So those who are in Christ, we look at our lives and we say, okay, I'm dead to sin. That means I no longer am under the dominion of sin. Sin no longer binds me, no longer controls me. And so because of that, I have a new way to live, which means I'm alive. I'm alive. Yeah. I'm alive to live as someone who honors God. Right. Because now we have Christ in us. We can choose him who lives perfectly without sin. It's He's given us a new way to be human in many ways. Oh, Lord. That's why I was cracking up earlier. I was just thinking, oh, man, I could work in some Switchfoot titles here. That's a good line. So. <laughs> so, so here's the reality. The reality is, Andrew, you sitting here right now, right. me sitting here right now, in all of the temptations we have, Right. And, and temptations always will come. Temptations for pride, for anger, for greed, for lust, for hate, for violence, for selfishness. In all of those temptations, true or false, you you no longer have to give into those temptations again. It's true. I no longer have to give into those temptations. I have a choice. I have Christ in me. But I feel like you're going somewhere with this, but I was going to say, but there is that feeling of like, if I have such if i have that choice why do i have to be diligent to to keep myself away from sin yeah. to to repent of that and that's that's the question he asks right in uh, like the third paragraph under a new way to live he writes this after all one might reasonably ask if we have truly been delivered from the dominion of sin if it if it no longer rules us why must we be diligent not to let sin reign in our mortal bodies what difference does it really make? 
And I, this goes to the idea that, uh, and this is the question I was thinking about, because I, I used to wonder this all the time as a, as a, as a younger believer. I, I know Christ has saved me. I am repentant, but I keep sinning. There are some, there are some other aspects in my life that, that I don't want this in my life. I don't want, you know, uh, whether it's pornography or, or some sort of addiction or, or drinking or these things, whatever it is that we all struggle with. If these are here, why do I continue to struggle with these? Am I not saved? And I think that's a really valid question. But then he kind of addresses this in in this next section. And I, I love the kind of that, that POW illustration that he he has. Yeah. So I was gonna jump into that if you don't if, if Go ahead, go yeah. ahead. And, and then I will I think I can build on that a little yeah. bit more too. So what I love about it is that he says it's kind of like when we are in the dominion of sin, we were like chained to the wall in cages. But when Christ saves us, he frees us as as POWs, but we're still at war. That the enemy, that sin is still out to get us. And so we must be diligent. That we, we're not going to be abandoned back into these cages and shackles, but we are still at war. And the, the, our flesh is warring with our spirit. Uh, Ephesians or Galatians, I can't remember which one talks about. We have two dueling natures inside of us. Yeah, that one of the flesh and one of the spirit. And that's that's the war that he is referring to. And that's why we continue to to sin. It's not that we aren't, but when we do sin, we now have the ability to ch- choose not to, to turn towards Christ. Yep. Um, and, and in that, in that freedom, in that choice, the the ultimate, I guess, battle line being drawn is the the line of faith. Right, so when we're battling against temptation, ultimately we are we are in the battlefield where we're going to express faith or not. Mm-hmm. Right, so all of our sin ultimately it's connected to unbelief. Mm-hmm. Right, and so when I uh, when I sin and seek after revenge over someone who hurt me, mm-hmm. right, in that moment I'm saying, God, I don't believe that vengeance is yours right. and that you're just and that you'll make this right. Okay. Yeah. When I when I sin by being greedy and not caring for others that are around me or in my charge, whether financially or with my time, I am saying, uh, God, I, I don't believe that you will continue to provide for me. Let's say if we're talking fiscally, like mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I don't believe you'll take care of me. And so I've got to hoard and I can't be generous and I can't meet the needs of the people around me. You can think about this in every single kind of sin. The The very core of it is I'm not trusting God right. in his character. But when I do trust God, then I have an out for that temptation. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. He says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. He says this, God is faithful. This is God's character, right? Like he's going back to who is God? God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way to escape that you may be able to endure it. So here's the reality. God is faithful and in his faithfulness at every juncture, at every crossroads of temptation, you have a different path you can take. Right. I have a different path I can take. And that path is rooted in, do I believe God's faithful? Yeah. So going back to like that that POW idea, before you didn't have a choice, before you were shackled to this in this cage. But now as we are free, as the enemy strives to, to get back after us, we can fight back and we fight back with the righteousness of Christ and we rest in him, choosing to believe that he is enough. So just like you're saying, 
we 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 may choose a sin, but we didn't have to. Because when we did choose the sin, we were saying, God, we don't trust. We don't trust that um, that you're going to provide protection for my family. We don't trust that you're going to provide food for my family. Or I, or I don't trust that you're going to provide uh, bring um, meaningful relationships into my family, or or all these other things that could be. And it's it's about just believing and exercising that faith. Yep. And so then when we do fail, he he calls us to remember that. Our, our response is to go back to the cross. And what do we do in that moment? Do we, do we pay indulgences? Do we, um, you know, okay, I, I sinned. So now I have to fast for five days or I sinned. And so I have to go and, you know, um, you know, give my half my paycheck to charity or something. No, when we sin, we, we deal with it the same way when we don't sin. Yeah. When we don't sin, we are, we're putting our faith in God and his character. And when we do sin, we put our faith in the work of Jesus Christ. We go right back to that cross and say, my sin has been paid for. It has been washed away. This is no longer held against me. I am a new creation. I am in Christ. I am justified. I am adopted all because of who Jesus is and what he's done. When we hold onto that, when we turn back to God in faith and remember the work of the cross, that's how we deal with our sin. Right. And I think we should note here that when we talk when we talk about Christians who are failing, when we fail and then we ended up and then we end up sinning. This is all of us. This is all of us. Um, I, I know reading this chapter, I, I couldn't help but think that there are probably people who would read something like this and think to myself, "Man, how come I'm the one still having to go back to the cross?" And look at all these super Christians out there who who are doing it right, who are doing it so well. But that's not the case. That's not the case at all. I, I I don't want to say it's okay that we sin because it's it's not, but I, what I do want to say is that there are, I don't think there is a such there is a there's no s- super Christian there's only Jesus. No, you're totally right. Um, and we all rest in Him. All of us. Yeah. And you might not see how others are dealing with their sin. You might not see the struggles other ha- other others have. You don't have visibility. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what, um, parenting. Is, is the trial that uh, tests your your sin and your patience. Like, I mean, I think that parenting is a, one giant exercise in faith. And I find myself uh, going to the Father so often saying, God, I need to trust you with my child. I need, to, I need to trust you and I need to obey you when I'm dealing with my child, if I'm dealing with a certain issue, if I'm disciplining them or correcting them or encouraging them. Like, it is just this constant exercise of growing in faith Sometimes by turning away from the temptation and sometimes by turning to the cross because I failed in the temptation. But it's just this, this constant trial of character that reminds me, man, we live by faith. And hopefully as I live by faith, my kids are seeing that I'm living by faith. And, uh, yeah. And so one of the things he does is he, he says, this means we, we probably should actually examine ourselves yeah. if we're living in the faith. He actually quotes, again, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. He says this. He says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. So so it's actually a healthy thing to stop and say, am, am I really in the faith? Yeah. Am I, am I dealing with my sin, with my moralism or my self-righteousness? Yeah. Or am I dealing with my sin by not caring and just doing whatever I want? And then just like, oh, yeah, well, you know, Jesus, he died for me, so it's all good. I keep mm-hmm. doing whatever I want. He says, examine yourselves to see if you are 
whether you are in the faith. And then he says, test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you unless you fail to meet the test, the test of trusting him. And then he he lists out a handful of questions, that, and uh, I just want to read these. Yeah, yeah. Um, as I listened to them yesterday morning driving in, they were convicting to me. Um, maybe it was because of the Scottish accent. I don't know. But, uh, uh, but <laughs> let's listen to these. He says, what is my attitude toward God? Do I gladly acknowledge my dependence on him and my accountability to him? What is my attitude towards sin? Am I concerned or indifferent about it? What is my attitude toward Jesus Christ? Do I trust in him as the one who died for my sin on the cross? What is my attitude toward the Bible? Do I truly want to grow in my understanding and application of it in my life? What is my attitude toward prayer? Do I also want to grow in this area of my life? Or am I quite content to see prayer as an occasional call, occasional call out to help or to God for help? And then lastly, what is my attitude toward other Christians? Do I appreciate being with them and learning from them? Or do I actually prefer the company and lifestyle of my non-Christian friends? These are, these are great conversation pieces uh, for, for other believers, like to yeah. sit together. My daughter, actually, she, she kind of asked this last question to me this morning. We were talking about friends. And we are actually, we were doing the, the worksheet from this last Sunday, okay. the parent conversation that ah. gets sent home. And, uh, and one of the questions was for a parent to ask their child that said, what is a place where you have trouble obeying God? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it's fair to say, you know, she said, sometimes with friends, it can be hard to remember and obey God. Like, mm. the, and man, we've all been there, right? Yeah. And she, so she said, dad, that mean, should I, should I only have Christian friends, she said, I'm supposed to have non-Christian friends so that I can show them who Christ is, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, inside, like, my girl, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> you know, she, she's growing, right? And I said, you know, you, you, sis, you're, you're totally right. There, there's always this balance of my my greatest allegiance is to the believers who know my deepest uh, concerns, who pray with me, who walk with me. Who, th- those are the people that generally are my closest friends, but I always have close friends as well mm-hmm. that aren't believers that I love and that I care about that, that I'm, I'm hoping that as I share the gospel with them and as I live the gospel before them, God's spirit will, will arrest their heart and transform them and lead them to faith. Right. right. So I know we're getting a little off the beaten path, but this just makes me think like this is, this is about growth. This is constantly part of our conversation that this is examining ourselves, our inner workings and our motivations. Yeah. I kind of want to share this idea because I know, actually, we started this episode off talking about uh, asking hard questions and taking the time to just look at where we are. There is a culture, maybe not a culture, I think it's innate in human beings that we don't like asking ourselves questions or we don't like the taking the, we don't like taking the time to be accountable by asking questions, right? Like earlier I said, like, you know, sometimes people don't like jumping on a bathroom scale. Because they don't want to see what comes up. It's actually one of the reasons why people don't go see doctors sometimes, yeah. right? They're scared. Like if something's wrong, they know, but they don't want to go 
and and see the doctor because the doctor will clearly lay out this is what's wrong this is what's led to this and then other times even like these questions right now you know you you may be the kind of person who heard these questions and you're like oh that's that's yeah you're right we should be asking ourselves questions but i'm not going to stop to take the time to really contemplate these things one of the reasons why we do that is that we're scared we're scared because we think we are failing and then it's also because we have thought us thought failure as like this worst, the worst thing ever. But I think what we need to understand that I think Christianity, our faith in Christ lends us to a growth mindset. Because even if we do look at something where we fail, the truth is we're still covered in grace by the blood mm-hmm. of Christ that we can, I, I feel free to be able to look at where, where I've messed up and be like, man, I'm really bad at this. I'm really angry at with this person. I've done these things. And I know that Christ, because he's already died on the cross for me. And in this time, as I recognize it, it's the beginning steps of repentance. God isn't holding that against me because he's already dealt with that. And now he's calling me closer to him so I can freely walk with him and grow in that. So another illustration that I, I use is like oftentimes like we, so in, in the style of working out that I do, we have people who can run really well. We have people who can lift really well. We can, we have people who can do gymnastics really well. They can stretch really well, but we do all of it. And we intentionally test to see where are your weaknesses. But when we find a weakness, we don't say, okay, then you should stop working out because this is where you're weak. No, instead, now that we've tested it, now that we've taken the time to examine it, we say, here's the next area for us to work through. So we grow in that. We become more complete in that. And that's kind of the same idea here. So I, I would encourage anyone listening to this to never shy away from asking yourself hard questions. And as a matter of fact, I think you should surround yourself with more gospel-minded Christians, not religious Christians, not Christians who call themselves Christians, but they're really just moral deists. You should find people and be in, in, in connection with others who will love you and walk with you as you continue to grow. As you're talking, it reminded me of a G.K. Chesterton quote that I came across recently. And he says something along the lines of anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. Yeah. And, and the idea is when, when you do something, you're, you're probably not going to just be perfect at it right away. Mm-hmm. It's going to take that, those ugly years of growth, right? Those yeah. ugly years of endurance and, and difficulty and strain and failure as you move through those years and, and you grow in it. Right. But yeah. he says it's worth doing poorly. You're, you're going to have to start somewhere. Right. right. And uh, that's, that's encouraging because it reminds us, man, to follow Christ does not mean, okay, if you're going to really follow Jesus, you, you probably should preach next weekend. Right. <laughs> it, it means if you're going to really follow Jesus, you should take that next step to engage God's word, to engage God in prayer, to be around believers, to, to take those little steps daily, weekly, monthly, yearly over the course of a lifetime that's what we're really called to. And in each of those, it goes back to faith. It does. I'm trusting yeah. in Christ, whether I am resisting sin, I'm trusting in him as I resist sin, or when I fail, I'm trusting yeah. in him that I'm forgiven. Can I, can I share what that looks like for me at yeah. times? So actually, I'll, no. Okay. I'll, yes. No. Please do. Uh, I, I have anger in me. I, I've had, like when I was younger, I had some pretty bad anger issues, like blackout angry. And then like, I would come to, and like, there'd be holes in the wall and things like that. And my anger has man, like I, I, I've gotten a, a hold on that, but it also manifests itself in, in other ways. And as I've gotten older and as I've come to rely on Christ more and more, there are these moments where 
I ask myself, like, how am I doing? What's wrong with me? And then God has revealed to me, like, Andrew, this is, there's an area of your life, your anger that you need to work on. And in these moments of clarity, as I sit at the throne or at the feet of God, I just, I just give it to him in this moment. And I say, God, I, I know you want this to change. And in this moment, I'm giving this over to you. And this sounds really weird, but sometimes I just kind of imagine myself literally laying something down at the feet of Christ in that moment. And I'll live my life and I'll, I'll, I'll and, and from there, and I'll, I'll try to keep that in the forefront of my mind. But eventually there are times where I'll slip up and I'll be angry again. And then also there later on, there'll be another moment of clarity where I'm like, man, I'm still struggling with this. And then I go through the same exercise over and over again. But what I've come to learn as I've been engaging in that is that every time I have this moment of clarity, I can look at what's happening and I can see that Christ has been working in my heart all the way through, that it's I'm reaching these next levels. So I, I guess what I'm, what I'm getting at is when you fail or when you are repenting of something, you're going to have these moments of clarity that you need to turn away from something. And in that moment, do it. And then live mindfully, live prayerfully, but it's going to happen again. But God still continues to work in you. And you're, you, Christ is being manifested in your life. You're growing in your sanctification. And just so engage in those moments. And those clarity, those clear moments come when we take the time to ask ourselves, how am I doing? Yeah. And that process, part of what you're describing is when we, the, the Bible says to take every thought captive. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when I'm wrestling with my anger, when I'm wrestling with lust, when I'm wrestling with greed or pride, in those moments, part of that trusting in Jesus is to take those thoughts captive to Christ, to go before him and say, Jesus, like you said, handing it over. Lord, I need your help. I know you've given me a way out. See me through, right? Because mm-hmm. you are better than, and I need you. And that's uh, that's the battle, man. It is. So Mike, uh, the chapter ends, getting, getting back onto the, the book, ends with uh, the section called Privilege and Responsibility. Do you kind of want to break that down for us? Um, yeah, so he, when, when he talks about this, he, he defines both of them. He says, our privilege is our position, right? Who we are, our identity. Mm-hmm. He says, justified, adopted, new creation, Christ is ours. And he says, this privilege is not by us earning it, but God has done it all. And then he says, responsibility. He says, this is, these are the, this is what falls out of our privilege. He says, our right and proper response is to believe these truths about ourselves and rejoice in them, and then to live in the reality of them. We must not let sin reign in our bodies. And so our privilege really is to say, okay, who am I? I am in Christ. I am a new creation. Because of who I am, I'm going to live in line with my identity. Mm-hmm. He's, he's basically saying, be who you are. You are in Christ. You are adopted. You're his child. You're a new creation. Be who you are. Uh, when I talk about this, I love the idea of uh, a sports jersey, right? If you play for a certain team and you go out on the field to to face your opponent and you wear your opponent's jersey, that, that makes no sense. It does not. Whatsoever. He's basically saying, be be who you are. You, you are a child of God, right? That whole chip off the old block. Like mm-hmm. you, you are to look more and more like your heavenly father. That that means you fulfill the the responsibilities you have based on the privilege you've been given. Yeah. Yeah. Be who you are. And that is a new identity in Christ, mm-hmm. a new creation. So Mike, that's that's a really good 
chapter, it's there's a lot there, and I'm, I'm just praying that people just chew on it and think through it. I would say this too. Sometimes when you read a book, you only grasp like one or two ideas. That's okay. There are times like I've gone back to read something over again and I, I get something deeper the next time I, I read it. And it's okay, man. That's it's just ha- hold on to what, what God is resonating in your heart and uh, just know that he's good. Mike, do you want to pray for our listeners as we, uh, as I think we've basically come to the end here. Let's pray. Yeah. Thank you, Father, for the work you've done. Lord, I, I pray that anyone listening right now, that if they have not trusted Jesus, that this would be the moment where they trust Jesus. They believe that Jesus died for their sins, paid the price in full, rose again, and in his death and resurrection has placed us in himself. We are now in Christ. And God, I pray that that would allow us all to rejoice in this identity. We would remember we are new creations. We've been given a new heart. We've been given a new life. The old is gone. And God, I pray that based on that identity, based on those privileges, we would walk in the responsibilities you have you, you have aligned with us, that we would, in essence, be who we are. We would turn away from sin. We would turn toward Christ more and more every day, and all of it would be in faith. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.